welcome to the to the podcast. This is my uh, personal project where I interview people that I've known for a while and ask them kind of like out of the box questions. And from there, there could be follow up questions or, you know, we pivot to other topics. And then at the end, there's a little section for some lightweight questions for me. (laughs) And then uh, we wrap up and then we just encapsulate this episode. And then hopefully in like whether that's two, four, five years from now, um, we do another uh, round. And I mean, I personally, I would probably revisit the episode and then from there generate maybe new questions and discussion points. But yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of be like one of those longer form projects. So um, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty interested to uh, get started. So yeah, I have some uh, warm up. Oh, none of these are actually that warm up, but I have the easier ones first. So um, yeah, so we can get started with this one. Um, right. yeah. So w- what do you think has been the biggest change of character that you've had since you were, let's say 19, 20 years old to now? So like over the last 10 years, like what's something that like, obviously there's things that haven't really changed from who you are, but like, if you were to talk to a 20 year old version of yourself, what would be like the one or two things or three or whatever, how many, I'm going to go with how many, like you feel comfortable sharing, but like what kind of core things has definitely transpired that you've definitely, you wouldn't recognize that aspect or, you know, that you've changed from that period of your life. Hmm. That is a good question. Mm. I think now looking back at like 1920 and even just looking at like how I am now, I think a lot has changed in me in the sense of, I want to say who I keep in my circle as friends and just the energy that I spend on maintaining those friendships, if that makes sense. Um, Just throughout the years, I feel like I've always been, you know, someone always trying to please somebody, always making sure, like, oh, like, this person is my friend, like, I'm going to keep them in my circle and, like, I'll do whatever, even if they do X, Y, Z to me or, you know, that kind of thing. Or maybe their values actually don't really fit with my values or ideas, um... And that kind of thing. So I've always tried to like figure out how can I make this work? How can I make this work? When in reality, that person might not be like that, right? Um, Or wouldn't change. And I think now as I'm older, you know, I feel like I've learned that, you know what? Sometimes those friendships are seasonal, right? Like you were meant to meet that person at that time for that season of who they are. But as, you know seasons change like maybe we just don't add up anymore right our values are just not there um and so I really learned to set boundaries and when I really feel like that person you know like we just do not match up anymore you know that is a good time to part ways but take you know all the positive stuff all the like good memories that you have built together and what you've learned with that specific person and then continue to grow and go your own way, if that makes sense. 
I think it makes sense. I mean, if you think about it, life is often like a book, right? Like certain characters are throughout your life or they join in whatever at chapter eight and then they continue to the end or whatever. Everybody's got their own timeline. I, I also think it's just hard, right? Like, you know, I think it's natural for people, especially people who want to be very, you know, friendly and like uh, incorporating of people that, you know, is just not even like mathematically possible, right? Like you can only maintain so many connections, right? And I think you're right. Like eventually you have to prioritize uh, some over the others. Um, And I think it's just, just natural. Uh, You know, in my experience, like people are usually you know, friendly, but then like, you know, they're just not, they're not, it's like with any relationship, whether that's a friendship or parent child relationship, right? It's a, it's an investment, right? So like, it's not, you have to put time in to get stuff out, hopefully, and hopefully you make the right investments and the right people. But it is, uh, it's like you said, it's, you have to learn to prioritize like, you know, who's in the, who's in your inner circle and who isn't. And I think like, um, you know, I think, some friendships just naturally, you know, wither away, just like some love interests. It's, it's, it's in many ways, obviously, it's a bit different, but there are some overlapping uh, kind of like things that I've always been intrigued how people don't, like they'll put people in like different, different buckets, but I think friendships sometimes they go the same way. You're not, I'm not friends with everybody that I was friends with, you know, eight years ago. Like, that's just the truth. And like, um, I made new friends over the last couple of years, you know, and those will probably, we'll see which ones last, but you don't really know and you can't predict those things. So it's, because it's not always, always fully in your control, right? Like it's a two-way street, right? With anything. So, yeah. No, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So I think I've just learned to, now as I've gotten older, it's just, yes, building those friendships, but also setting boundaries, right? Because sometimes we're just so in that moment of like, we need to maintain, like you said, whether it's like a love interest or chip, like we need to maintain this. We need to figure this out. But sometimes like, what do you do when the other party doesn't want to do the same? Right. And then again, just matching up your values and who you are. And, you know, as we grow, obviously our ideas change, our minds grow, we start to think differently. And then, but with that, I don't mean that like, you know, we don't have those like long-lasting friendships you know like thankfully you and I have maintained our friendship throughout the years um I definitely have other people that I've also maintained a friendship with but also looking back like if I look at my high school experience or my college experience like those people that I had as friends were not I wouldn't really consider them a friend anymore it's more like of an acquaintance and who I've met while I was there right Yeah. Yeah, I'm good on on this question. There's actually this it naturally leads to my next follow up, which is like, um, you know, in that same period. Um, so you describe how you change and how you view relationships, but uh, other than that, like, is there any other like lessons you've learned the last ten years that it's like part of your, I'm gonna say mantra, but you know, part of that like life philosophy that you have that you developed like for instance it could be something as simple as like you know when i was 20 i didn't value time management like i didn't you know study or i'm, I'm just doing this abstract example um mm-hmm. but now like i'm much more focused disciplined 
you know, that's an example of what I'm kind of asking or like something like, hey, you know, I used to be religious when I was young, but now I'm not longer anymore. And this is how I view spirituality. I'm just curious, like in, in that same time window, like with some kind of like life lessons that you would like if you were to impart this on like a teenager, what would you say? I think that there are a couple things that I for sure have totally different now than it was back then. I think now as I've gotten older, um, religion is still a part of my life, but I think, you know, growing up in a very Roman Catholic household, it was very... You know, you go to church every Sunday, you pray, X, Y, Z, you need to go to confessions every Saturday, um, and go up and, you know, do all the religious things and pray, X, Y, Z. But, you know, coming up here, actually to the Bay Area, I actually think that has for sure broadened my horizons, you know, um, so, you know the background story, but. For the people that don't know, I grew up in the Coachella Valley, so that's down south um, in Southern California, Palm Springs. You know, everybody knows where Coachella Fest is usually. So in that community that I grew up in, it was very, you were, it was very black and white. There was never no in-between, and we weren't really exposed to, like, a lot of cultures, if that makes sense, or... um people from different ethnic backgrounds, that was never really a thing. You were either um, Hispanic, Mexican, or you were Caucasian. That was pretty much it. And there was a big divide socially, socioeconomically. Um, All the more rich and more highly funded high schools were more... um, Further away, obviously, from the low socioeconomic schools, um, minorities were mostly in those kind of schools. And then the private schools and the more heavily funded schools were where Caucasian students would go, right? Um, So we definitely had, I definitely had a different mindset back then. It was more of like we were in our bubble and it was kind of like, okay, this is how the world is everywhere, Like, this, the way we are, the way we live, this is, like, everywhere else. And when I moved to the Bay Area in 2010, and I came up here because, obviously, school, but also because my mom has extended family up here. So I said, okay, well, it'll be good, right? It's different. I don't know. Like, when I would come and visit over the summer, I would just see, like, the little mountains up there and just be like, oh, like, you know, this looks different, right? Like, how are things here? So I moved here and it was like a complete culture shock, right? Compared to how things were where I grew up and coming up here, it was just like, wow, like everybody's so different and like exposed to so many different cultures, people of ethnic background. um, And then also like even different backgrounds, like, in our own Hispanic culture, right? Because to me, it was like, okay, like, you and I look the same, like, you must be Mexican as well. And then, actually, it's not true, right? Like, they'll be like, no, I'm not Mexican. I'm actually from, you know, 
um, Peru or something, right? South American. Um, so that's been very, very interesting. I never, <laughs> now that I'm older, I don't assume that, you know, someone who might look like me is Mexican. Um, cause you just never know, right? Cause it's kind of like, how can you make that assumption when it's like, well, I'm actually Salvadorian, right? Or I'm from Ecuador. So, um, being exposed to like all these different cultures has definitely broadened my horizon a lot and I feel like I was always in this like little box where like you go to church every Sunday you hang out with your friends at like the mall um but it's like we all have the same same values right of like going to people's parties quinceañeras whatever family family this um but that was it. Like, we, you were either this or that, but you were never different. Um, so I think moving up here for sure has been very interesting. Um, I've definitely learned a lot from people um, as as I've been living over here. And I mean, I feel now, like, as I'm older, I was like, I yeah, I don't want to go back. <laughs> just because everything, like, I've gone back to visit and it's just like, I just feel like, my values don't match up with what's down south or where I grew up specifically, right? Because for sure there's other places in Southern California that are super fun, but I feel like it's all superficial when I go there. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, what else? I feel like there's other things, but I can't, I can't really tag on this yet. Um... And then also an emphasis on money. I think now as I've gotten older, I'm like, I wish I really would have gotten that. Like, like, you know, you and I have talked about it. Like just this crash course on like money investments and getting like that guidance. Because being a first generation um, college student you're kind of like the guinea pig for everything. I'm the oldest in my family, so I've always felt like I've been the guinea pig for, like, going to school, um, career stuff, anything. Like, it's always been, well, let's see how what happens with you, and then we'll mold everybody else, right, based off of what happened with you, right? So it would happen with, like, middle school, high school, because there would be a period of time where I was there by myself before like my siblings would join and then um and it was the same for college right like through the college application process FAFSA um that kind of thing it was like just me by myself trying to figure out the answers and like getting some kind of guidance from some counselors sometimes um and then transitioning and coming over to college itself the university And then from whatever happened there, then my mom would go back and be like, okay, well, this happened here, so we're going to change this, right? Um, So I've always kind of been like the tester for everything new and different in my family. So that's been kind of, that was for sure interesting and it definitely, I think, creates more of a sense of independence because for sure, living back at home, I was just kind of like relying on whatever my family provided or whatever but as I moved over here I started to become more independent where like oh I can actually make a decision for this right I didn't have to call my mom and be like hey can I do this like I could actually 
be out until I felt like it or that kind of thing. I could actually be independent and make my own decisions without having to go through through somebody for something. And then, but with that, of course, like being the guinea pig, like sometimes you you miss like that knowledge that would have been help that guidance I should say that would be helpful for the future right so like monetarily wise like we've never been um like given that lesson like hey if you do this you know financially this would be better you know like you've never gotten that financial guidance because we've always lived in poverty right so in college it was like oh like I have a little bit of money left like what can I do with this right Instead of getting that guidance, I'm like, well, hey, it would be smart to invest in this or do this instead, right? Um, so it's been a trial and error, but as now that I've gotten older, I'm like, no, like you really need to focus on building yourself and adding that value monetarily to yourself. And how can you do that? Yeah. I mean, to your point, it's always tough to, like, pave the way, especially if, like, there's no other references. Um, and then, you know, regarding, you know, the financial aspect, I mean, even people who have the information, it's, it's, it's hard because, like, you know, you, know, you want to, like, still enjoy life. It's, it's just this fine balance of, like, you know, building for the future, but then also not like eating rice and beans like seven days a week and, you know, living in a basement, um, even though some people do that. Uh, but yeah, it's tricky. Um, and I don't think there's ever a clear cut answer because like, yeah, for every, you know, some people just naturally figure it out or they just get lucky. Like you said, if it's not maybe through family references, they just have a mentor or a peer that helps them out. And I do think that like, that's just, that's just, luck of the draw when when they you know used to use that phrase yeah so uh okay so now we're gonna get to the harder questions those are the warm-ups so uh interesting warm-up but before you do the warm-up you didn't even do an introduction so people are gonna be like what the hey okay who is this (laughs) the the people who will listen to this which is very few will probably know who you are by association with me so um (laughs) The, uh, yeah, I haven't really, maybe in the future, if I have a actual, it's not really for anybody else, but if there are people who are like, my network is big enough where there are people that have never met you or don't know about you, then, then it would, it would suffice. But, but also I think just by answering the questions and telling your story, like what the details you want to share too, um, you know, uh, I think that also will be revealing. Also, I personally don't want to like share things that like are not going to come up today that I probably know about or, um, overshare details that you don't want to share. So I leave that to you. If you want to share more or you want to talk more about your background, like as we do more of the questions or at the end, feel free, but I don't ever want to say something that like you weren't comfortable bringing up. Yeah, of course. Um, so the next one is, um, what qualities do you admire in your parents? And on the flip side, what are some flaws that, you know, you, you know, kind of like, I don't know how I say this right. Like, what are some, what are some flaws that you, you've noticed over your, you know, them being your parents that you are very aware of and you don't want to, uh, 
kind of like what's the term like do the do, do, do them yourself yeah yeah okay wow yeah you're really uh coming deep it's uh 22 minutes in now <laughs> um i think so as the oldest you really and i've seen this like in tiktoks and videos of when you're the oldest, you're almost like, unfortunately, you pick up that, that second parent, that second parent role. And it's like, you obviously never wanted to pick up that role. Like, we were just given that role most of the time, right? Um, and again, like I mentioned before, like, I obviously grew up in a very low socioeconomic status. Um, my family's been on food stamps before. Um, we received back then like housing assistance, especially when my mom was a single mom caring for three kids. Obviously, that's very, very difficult. But with that, you know, being a single mother, having to provide for three children, you know, you obviously have to work like money needs to come in somehow. Right. Um my after they split up you know my dad was kind of doing his own thing he was still in, in our lives like would come and pick us up every once in a while take us out to eat xyz but obviously it wasn't enough to where like hey like help me there's bills right um so my mom had to pick up jobs and well with that it's like well you have well who's gonna watch the kids right so we would get babysat by Either a lot of my mom's friends, sometimes um, my dad's sister, my aunt, would babysit us. At one point, we actually had a nanny who would come and stay with us while my mom worked. Um, so with that, it's like, well, you don't have like a stay-at-home parent, right? So when you don't have a stay-at-home parent, what ends up happening is like the oldest kind of picks up that parental role, right? And... For sure, that was not a very fun aspect. And I think that's kind of like the unfortunate quality. I I try not to make it now that I'm older and I see it. But it's sometimes just that natural instinct where a lot of my friends have said, well, you're very like motherly or like a parental figure type of person. Um, because I tend to be like, hey, like, how are you doing? Is there anything else I can help you with? that kind of thing um and so going back like yeah like it it was very interesting on how like as the oldest you kind of just pick up that parental role like how are your siblings doing like what do they need help with like are they okay that kind of thing um but I definitely always admired I always like and me and my brother have talked about this it's like our parents are very opposites of each other Sometimes I've wondered, like, well, what did you see in him, like, that, like, made you want to be with this person? Because they're very opposite. My mom, she, now she's older, she does this, but before when I was younger, I don't ever really remember her being very affectionate or saying, like, oh, like, um, I love you, X, Y, Z. Like, that was never her. But with her, it's always been... I love you, but let me show you through my actions, right? Like, with what I'm doing, right? I'm working for you guys to provide for you. Like, I'm working 
so that I could at least take you out, you three out to the movies or something, right? Something as simple as that. Um, let me show you how I care about you. I may not tell you this or like, I may not be affectionate or anything like that, but let me show you how I can, like how I care about you. Right. Um, as opposed to my dad, he's the, he's the opposite. He's the one who will like, he's always hugged us, kissed us, say like, Hey, I love you. You know, I care about you X, Y, Z. But like the actions didn't really match up. If that makes sense. Right. Um, they there was times like when we would call him like hey like are you gonna pick us up this weekend but he would never answer so it's like we would call him like maybe four or five times like on a weekend and he wouldn't answer and it's like well where did he go right and I think like obviously because my parents were young parents my mom had me when she was pregnant with me when she was 19 she had me when she was 20 so my mom was really young my dad's three years older, so he was 23 when I was born. Um, so I feel like they, like, even in retrospect, like, thinking about now, like, what was I doing at 20 and 23, right? And I was like, yeah, living my life, like, still being able to go out with my friends and, you know, enjoy my time and not have that big responsibility, right? Um, my brother is little less than a year older than me, so imagine, like, just having another kid back-to-back, and then, like, two years later, they had my sister. So it's like, you know, what what time or where could you live your life, right? Um, so I think, like, just thinking back, like, those qualities, I definitely have been even more appreciative of my mother now as I've gotten older because she's really sacrificed a lot for us to be here or, you know, to even move forward. Um but she also has changed herself because then, you know, my parents split up, had, um, they remarried, had children with other people and my younger brothers, and I've seen it like are living kind of like what we didn't really live. And it's not like resentment or anything, but it's like also good for them. But it's like, also you're too, um, how would I say? Like you're too loving now. You're too giving when you should also I feel like it's hard to as a parent to be like in the middle right um and we don't know how that feels because you know we don't have children yet um but it's like where do you find that balance right because I've seen for sure like different parenting styles from different people like I've seen um my stepmom's parenting style I've seen my mom's parenting style and I've seen, like, my aunt, my dad's sister's parenting style, and it's, like, they're all just very different. Um, my stepmom's parenting style has always been, like, hey, like, we're best friends. Like, you can tell me anything, and, you know, we're cool like that, and, like, you want to do that? That's cool. And, like, being too buddy-buddy, but what I've seen, like, from the other side is, okay, it's cool, but you also don't notice your kids doing these, like, Maybe not so good things in the background, right? Like being underage and drinking and selling drugs or, you know, smoking and that kind of thing. Um, because you just have so pure confidence in them and trust that you're just like, you know, if something happens, you know, like we're best friends. Like you'll tell me, right? And it's like, well, actually, no, like certain things, no. 
Um, I've seen where uh, my aunt was so strict with my cousins, very like uh, your infamous term, like a czar status of very like, no, you can't do this. And what are you doing now? And like always micromanaging them and like being behind them. Right. And so because of that, they rebelled. And you can see that um, their relationship has very has been very interesting because it's just always like so much resentment that they've had towards her because you didn't let me do this and you, you know, were always behind me. You always belittled me. Um, so I could see that too. And, um, but like I had mentioned before, like, I think the most, the qualities I did admire from my mom was that she has always been very determined to, you know, get us at least from point A to point B, even if it's just been on her own. Um, and just like her always trying to figure things out. Um, and my dad, I've always admired the fact that he's just been so loving and emotional. So like the emotions I got from him, but like the actions I got from her, but as I gotten older, I've always told myself too, like as a parent, hopefully in the future, there's things that I for sure would change. I think, yes, I want to build that healthy relationship of like mother and child or parent and child, but also know that there's limits. Um, know that we cannot be BFFs forever because know that you are a parent before you're their friend and know like that there is a middle ground that could possibly be achieved, but it will take some time. And I think it's also just trial and error because again, you know, I think we don't know really the answer till we get there, if that makes any sense there we don't know the answer to that until you're there in that moment um but you for sure like I will I know like what I do want to be as a parent and what I would not want to be just because of the experiences that I've had with my own parents right um hopefully like yes if I have a kid in the future I hope to be with their father right like their parent um, but know too that, you know, if for some reason like things don't work out, we do separate, separate, know how to have a very healthy co-parenting relationship. Because I think that also affected us was that the very toxic co-parenting relationship that they had, um, always fighting and that kind of thing. It was just kind of like, you know, do I even want to have kids in the future now? Just from seeing this, um, but yes, that is my answer on that. Yeah, I mean, the reason I asked it is because, like, maybe because my own parents visited this summer, um, is that you realize that in the end, like, how you kind of view certain things is mainly derived because of, like, your interactions with your parents, right? So, like, how you view parenting, maybe how you view, like, authority, or how you view like, you know, what family structures can look like, right? Whether it's, you know, like you said, co-parenting um, or nuclear family or whatever the terminology you want to use um, for different archetypes. But I have found that to be very intriguing because people will have different perspectives based on who their parents were, even though like everybody's their own individual, their own background, but depending on what they went through, they'll use it as a reference either to 
be something they want to use later or something they don't want to do later. And like it's like you said, it's a fine balance and it's it's, it's hard if ever to have the right answers for the right moment, right? Because like maybe what will work for somebody 30 years ago doesn't work today, you know, um, or in the future. All right. So we have a few more tough ones. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, and it's just interesting to me that I've been able to see that and it's like I know I you know obviously I love my parents um if you were to tell me like an 18 year old me like oh like who's your favorite parent if you have one like for sure it was not (laughs) not my mom like I always was that like child to be like you know what like when I'm 18 peace out like I'm tired of this like toxicity xyz like I don't want to be here anymore like you are not my friend you're always against me and like my dad is with me you know because he cares but you know in retrospect now as I'm older I'm like yeah I was a fan of him because like he would tell me what I would want to hear right and just be that like oh I love you but not have any action behind that as opposed to my mom like well yeah even though she didn't agree with me at times, you know, because in, in that time, it's like, well, no. Um, but now as I'm older, I'm like, yeah, like, my mom is, like, my best friend. Like, as soon as I came to high school, I literally, I mean, as soon as I came to college up here, I would, I used to not call her ever, and then it turned into never calling her to literally calling her after every every class that I took like as soon as class was over I would call her right away like hey what are you doing okay I have class like I'll call you back when I'm done and I would just like call her every day from morning to sundown like could you not buy like five times um every time I was at school and that kind of thing and I feel like separation from each other and like moving out um really showed me like how much I appreciate her for what she's done um and I wouldn't say I'm not close to my dad but also you know in retrospect there's like things in the past that I feel like as a child you don't really look at and you don't really care about until as you get older and you start to realize like well this wasn't healthy and this wasn't okay and so I feel like I've distanced myself a little bit more from my dad just because he his mindset is still very like from the back then, from the years ago type of mentality, very much of, um, okay, like, you're the woman, you know, that masculinity issue that we have in our own Mexican culture, we're like, well, you're the woman, so you need to make sure that, you know, the house is clean, that food is on the table that you cook, even if you go to work or whatever, right, um, did you make sure that your brother eat? Did you make sure that his clothes are ironed or clean? Did you make sure he took a shower? Did you make sure he brushed his seat? That's like, why? Why do we have to be behind someone like that, right? Um, and even to this day, unfortunately, he's still very, like, um, in that, like, masculinity idea of, like, the man is the one who tells you what to do. Like, you don't tell him what to do, Um And I think, unfortunately, that's what's pushed a lot of my siblings away now as they're older, too. It's just, like, that mentality of, like, it's my way or the highway. So when I have a conversation with him, usually, or we talk every once in a while, you know, I'll listen to him. But 
I know that, for example, there's something he said that I don't agree with. Like, I don't think that's true. With him, it's like, you can give him all the examples or reasonings as to why that's not true. But he, for him, it's like, no, like, this is true. Like, this, what you said right now is wrong. Like, anything I say is, like, correct. You know, like, you're in the wrong, and let me tell you why you're in the wrong. So he'll just go on and on and on. So sometimes I when I have conversations with him, and even if there's something I don't agree with, I just kind of, I don't make a comment on it, and I just don't acknowledge it. I just kind of, like, change the topic. Or if he's going to go on about something that I know he's wrong about, I just kind of like, okay, we'll let him say his piece, but then walk away, right? Because then if you get too much into detail and you start like going well you know what you're wrong here like he's just going to go on and on as to why he's actually right so I tend to avoid that (laughs) at all costs and unfortunately like my siblings they're like no like he's wrong someone needs to tell him he's wrong I'm like yeah but there's also a point where it's like what do you do when someone doesn't change their mind like they're just so dead focused on that they're right and you're wrong you know Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough, right? Like, you people, especially, like, you know, we often forget that people who are older than us were once young and probably much more, let's say, malleable. But, like, as time passes, one becomes more set in their ways, less uh, able to adapt. And also there's, like, obviously generational cultural differences as well. Um, and so, yeah, you, you know, this is something that obviously many people can empathize with especially with older relatives or you know parents Um, even though your parents aren't that older than yourself so it's probably more of a cultural issue too Um, but anyway so there's two more I have there this one's not as tough in my opinion the last one is tough so just fair warn Um, but uh, this next one is uh, in your opinion like what's one character weakness that you have that you're willing to acknowledge I, I'm like, hmm, I think for me, a character weakness I have is thinking that because I had like a really good conversation with a specific person, like, or maybe someone that I've met just in a very short time, like, oh, like, we like we can be friends right away type of thing you know um almost like want to say I wouldn't say put him on a pedestal but just already because I'm intrigued of this person or whatever like um I already want to include them in my friend circle right away you know like without getting to know them too too much And I'm like, I've seen that already backfire um, a bit. And I'm just like, now I'm just like, no, like, yes, it's nice to like have acquaintances or like meet people, but, you know, don't automatically add them into your like close friend circle without really getting to know the person first, right? Because I feel I've been able to... I feel like I'm pretty easygoing when it comes to 
talking with people and like meeting them. But, you know, just we, I managed to even have like these random deep conversations, but like, I feel that sometimes, oh, because we've had this like deep conversation and because you've shared like your personal X, Y, Z, like, oh, like we can actually be close friends. Right. When, you know, sometimes that's really not the case. It's like, maybe it was just a moment in time that that happened, that that person was felt comfortable sharing and being vulnerable and stuff, but that doesn't mean that they want to, or they would want to, um, pursue like a deep friendship, if that makes sense. And I think the other thing too, is that I've learned now, even as an adult, for sure, from 18 years old now, as I'm 30, that you cannot expect, you should not have expectations that of, um, how would I say this? I can't have, and this is just an example. You and I are friends, but I can't have these expectations of like, for example, like if I do something for you, like I can't expect you to do the same in return. I don't know if I'm making sense with that, but like putting expectations on people, like my own expectations of what I would do and expect you to do the same, right? Because everybody's different. And I think for me, my weakness is just that, like, oh, because I've been open and, you know, we're friends and da, 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 and like, I'm willing to help you out if you need help. Like, I shouldn't expect the same thing in return. Yeah, on both of your points, I think there's some nuance to each one. So for your, let's go with the first one where you you were uh, emphasizing like, you know, you let people into your circle maybe too easily. I will say this. I have noticed that a lot of people, and I've been surprised by this myself in my 20s, a lot of people actually overshare like things that are like kind of like, like you said, like you you would think would only share with friends and family. And my theory right now is that a lot of people use other people, unfortunately, as therapy sessions in a sense. And, Correct. And even though they need to go to therapy, and um, and I think that's unfortunate because I've just been—I can't repeat some of the stuff here, but there's just been things where, like, I know if I were to tell you off off the record, you would be like, "Why would this person even say that? That's just weird." And and I've had to learn that, like, that's just they probably need therapy but they don't either feel comfortable going there or they just they use like you said uh well what I, mean, I guess what i'm saying like you know conversations with let's say acquaintances or let's say like new friends and that lets them you know get it off their chest or they get to see what, how you view the problem or view the situation but like it's like to your point it's nothing beyond that moment um, and you know, it's, it's usually in my experience it's you know, I think it's because they're trying, they actually needed some real professional help, but they don't go. Um, and I think, yeah, it can lead to confusion on your behalf. Cause you're like, wow, like, does he need me to, like you said, this, this is, this, is he reaching out for like, he needs help or the, or she needs help or like, or, or they need like a real friend, but sometimes it's not so clear. So I, I think it's a fair point. I think it's good to be aware of it, but I, it's hard to 
slam you on, on that. It's not like, you know, it's not, not like a critical flaw, I guess. Then on your second one, which was, um, can you remind me real quick? Uh, the expectations, right? Uh, like yeah. I can expect what I do for you. I can't expect you to do the same in return. That's see that. And again, it's nuanced because it's tricky, right? Cause I know what you're saying. You're saying like, if I do this, let's say this action, I, I can't view relationships as so transactional, right? Like I do X, you do X. I do Y, you do Y. But I will say that where it gets kind of gray areas that you also don't want to be in a relationship. And this happens, I think, a lot in the romantic realm. Like you're doing all this stuff for the other person and the other person doesn't offer you anything back. Correct. And, and you and, know, and that's, so it, yeah. it, just to finish my thought there, that's where like having expectations is good. But like to your point, you also can't be tick for tack. It's... I think that's why it's tough in life because it's like it's very like you should have expectations, but you shouldn't. Those expectations can't be like, okay, I got you a coffee, I did this in Valentine's. How come you didn't do this? And it becomes like a you know, a, a, a war, right? But you also don't want to be the person that's like doing something for somebody, you know, and they like they treat you like garbage or like they don't even they don't do anything for you. It's not health. That's unhealthy as well, right? So. To push back a little bit, I would say it's a fine line of like understanding the difference between somebody who offers something to your life that you value versus, like you said, like having expectations of like, I did this, you should do this. Like maybe they add value in a different way that doesn't match how you would normally view a, let's say, relationship dynamic. But again, that's case to case basis. But I would argue that it's not terrible to have some level of expectations because you also don't want to be like mistreated or just seen as like, or, you know, somebody's footstool. Yeah. I mean, and the funny thing is that that actually has come up recently in a recent friend circle that we've, that I've had, um, like, where do you draw the line? And like, I was having a specific conversation with a with a friend and another thing too I guess to my point is I value friends on like what what value do they add to my life right um obviously we've been friends for a while so there's a reason why we've also you know frequent each other right like there's some sort of value that we add to each other's life um we have really great conversations and it's not really it's never been like transactional based I feel um and certain other friends as well, but I guess sometimes too, what people get a little too caught up on is like, well, so-and-so is more my friend because uh, I've known them for 10 years and I've only known you for four, right? But the surprising thing that I've learned too is that sometimes you could know someone for such a long time, but what if the person that you've met in a year adds even more value to your life than that person has in the seven years? Right. And recently I've been, I had a conversation with one of my um, friends who I've met in not such a long span of time, but we've gotten really close over the time that, you know, we've been um, friends and we've, we had included someone in our friend circle where we're like, oh, you know, like they're new. Um, They don't really have many people to talk to. And, you know, so 
it started to become where we would help them out in things they needed, you know, give them advice. Like you said, like be that ear to listen to them because they wanted to get stuff off their chest and that kind of thing. But then now, you know, fast forward to almost friends, even with that specific person, we notice that it's just like what we value as friends, they, they're not on the same page. They, um, it felt like, yeah, like more of a, I'm using you because I need you for something type of friendship. It was always like, let's hang out on my terms when I'm free, not never when, you know, not really ever put the effort in planning something. And just always making the excuse of like, well, I'm like this because I'm a guy, like we don't plan shit. And I'm just like, well, I think that no, who cares if you're a guy, like if you actually value that friendship, like you'll figure out how you're going to maintain that friendship. How are you going to keep it going? And also, you know, make your friend feel like the they add value to your life, but not more of a transaction. I'm like, Hey Chris, I'm going to, I'm only going to come and look for you. Like when I need this, other than that, like I, I don't care. Right. Or like, I don't make that effort to be your friend, to check in, to see how you're doing. And I've this recently, we felt like with this specific friend, like we're constantly like having to look for him. Like, Hey, like, are you okay? Like, what's up? And then you know, they're just kind of like, yeah, I'm good. I'm like, whatever. And we're like, oh, okay. Like, well, I guess. But the other issue that specific person has is that they suck at communication. And they're very, like, black and white about certain things. And so we started to think, like, you know, we were talking about this yesterday over dinner. We're like, well, what value does this specific person have to our lives that we're always having to accommodate them? Or, you know, trying to make our friendship work with them when they're just kind of like, whatever, Right. Um, so it's been very, very, very interesting. Yeah. Well, only I'll add there is when, it, especially if it's a guy, I, I will say like, I have yet to meet a woman who says that a man without agency is attractive. So, uh, I would say he should, uh, should look into making sure he's, uh, you know, at least accountable for his own actions and, wants to the whole guys don't plan things that's just that's just a cop-out in my opinion so I'm just gonna say that but um but uh (laughs) but I think but I think like um because I have a hard time believing this person doesn't plan things when they they're motivated to whether that's going on dates or you know going to a trip like you gotta do some legwork right so Mm-hmm. Um, so like, uh, I, I will, I will say I'm, con- I'm, I'm going to call cap a bit on that, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, and I think it just shows you what the priorities are, right. And how that person views, you probably have a different perspective on that. Like what I'm trying to get at is that you probably, you and your friend probably view the friendship differently than he does. And I think it's good oh, to yeah, re- re- sure. recalibrate and stuff. So, yeah. And I mean, I think the hard part too, like we were discussing over dinner last night, we were just like. And I mean, I, I told him, well, yeah, I take accountability for that was the fact that like, I always tried to make it work, right? Like, well, let's see, like, and giving them like an excuse X, Y, Z. But now I'm just like, no, like you have no excuse at this point. I'm like, whatever. Cause like you said, yeah, like they, 
they can manage to plan, you know, a trip to a con, like to go to a concert. They plan like, oh, hey, I'm going to hang out with my friends and do X, Y, Z. And then it's like, but then when the tables are turned and like me and our other friend, like we plan our own thing together. And then we get messages from this person being like, well, thanks for the invite on this or thanks for this. And I'm like, well, you know, when do you have time for us? You know, or when do you show an effort to be like, hey, like, why don't we, why don't we plan this when it's like, but you're more willing to plan with everybody else. Um, So definitely it's been a learning lesson because all this stuff has just recently come up. So we're just like, wow, like this is a very interesting learning lesson um, on that aspect. All right. So this is the last question that I have prepared. It is also the toughest one, so be fair warned. What's the greatest non-physical pain you have, you have felt in your life so far, and how did that change you? Mm. I think that would probably... I think it's different, actually. I don't know. I think it's a combination of many different things. I think experiencing death in the family, especially very close in the family, has been one of the biggest pains. But I think going through the first pain has definitely numbed me to the extreme Um with the other pains and in life as they have come um you know as you know uh it's gonna be 10 years since my sister passed away um and I think that one for sure was one of the the beyond the greatest because it wasn't only losing her but seeing how you lose your parents and because you know your sibling is not here anymore um so that for sure I think has always been one of the biggest ones that I've I've experienced because I, in the moment when all that happened, obviously that was just, you know, super heartbreaking. It was a death, obviously, that nobody expects. It's just, like, spontaneous, like, one day to the next. They're not here, so you're just, like, obviously in shock, like, what happened, what, you know, X, Y, Z, what is this? And, but I felt like I never really had the the real real space to grieve because again the role of like being the oldest and like trying to make sure everything is making sure everybody else is okay without caring however I felt overtook everything else so I didn't really get to grieve the way that I wanted to until I came back because again um at the time my mom was living in SoCal back in my hometown so um, she was like eight hours away. I was up here in San Jose living with some relatives. So, um, I spent about two weeks down South, um, trying to help with like preparations and just really being there for my mom. Cause at, at that point, like I really, like you can see your parents not there anymore. And even to this day, like my mom isn't 100% herself. She obviously, yes, times heal wounds, but, you know, they're always going to be there. You know, those scars will always be there. 
So there's obviously a lot of reminders on like when it's her birthday, um, when it's her death anniversary, when, you know, uh, my sister was a big fan of like the Little Mermaid, Maroon 5. And, you know, things like that, when they come up, it's like, what we think of her, right? And back then it was more of like just big sadness. And now it's, now as the years have passed, it's like, well, I accept she's no longer here. And, you know, we try to look at more of the positive things. Because another thing, too, was that our relationship wasn't like super close of like siblings. Like, I can't say my sister was my best friend because she was not in my, in my opinion, um, because we were always fighting a lot, right? It was always like a competition between us. And like, for me as the oldest, it was like, well, if I'm doing this right, why are you trying to go the opposite? Right? So she was kind of like a little bit of the black sheep of the family. But I always thought like in the back of my mind, like in the future, like when we are older, like we'll get close, right? Because I've seen siblings that like have been very not sibling to each other when they're younger but as they got older they connected so I was hoping that as I got older like we would connect you know but unfortunately that kind of never happened and you know I am I think about it sometimes and it it makes me sad but you know I also try and remove the negative things because I can't say that everything that we went through together was negative Um, because, you know, there are those good times that I would have thinking, you know, in retrospect back then, like when I, I, as like, even the oldest, like when we finally had our own rooms, when we moved into our house, like I was terrified of sleeping by myself. Like I did not, I was not used to that. Like I've always growing up, like I always, um, shared a room with like my mom, my sister and my brother when it was a the four of us and like I would sleep on the bed with my brother and then my mom and my sister would sleep on another bed um and even when my mom got remarried and we moved around like we always had our room together like me and my sister so it was pretty hard the first time when we actually moved into a house we bought and like we finally had our own rooms like it was exciting but I was like well I've never I've never been alone like this is weird right Um, and so I would still like drag her and like have her, um, sleep with me for a bit. And then we transition from like, okay, we're not going to sleep in the same bed or anything like that. Um, we'll just, cause our rooms are like directly across from each other. We'll just like leave our doors open and like have the light on in the middle. And then eventually I transitioned from that into like being by myself. So I'll give it to my sister that she was always very, like, independent, even if she was younger, um, to, she was just kind of more of, like, hey, I'm willing to do this, and, you know, be more adventurous than I ever was, but at the same token, it was, like, our values didn't really match up on, like, how to be, like, this is correct, and, like, you know, what you're doing is wrong, so we definitely bumped heads a lot, like, you know, she even though she was young at like 15 partying, it was kind of like, well, that to me was wrong. Like, how are you going to go to a party and you're 15 and like you're drinking or, you know, or you're smoking or that kind of thing. So that definitely put a lot of like pressure with us along with her, obviously also not getting along with my dad, which was like, 
annoying to me because it's like obviously I at the time valued my dad more than I did my mom so it was like well you know you're not getting along with my dad because like my dad also sees that you know you're not doing good and this and that and if you want him to be happy like you should be doing things correctly and that kind of thing but now as I'm older I'm like well yeah like she definitely had her rebellious stage and like had things that she shouldn't have been doing but at the same time it's like well people are growing up right like your adult brain doesn't develop and like finish developing until you're 25. Um, so who knows what would have happened now, right? Because um, this year she would have been 28. So sometimes I wonder like, what would she like now, right? Like the world is so different now from like t- almost 10 years ago. Like, would she like... You know, the kind of music that's playing or the kind of trends that are happening. What would she think about this, right? Um, But yeah, losing her, especially like very spontaneously was something that that hurt me a lot. But I couldn't mourn too much because I was too busy trying to take care of like my mom and dad. And seeing like what I could do to help them, right? Um, Not really pay attention to my own emotions it wasn't until after I left um being in SoCal and coming back because I had school that I got to still grieve a little bit but I always still kind of held on a little bit of resentment because I was like like why did you pass away like you know now I have to deal with all this here right like all these other problems like luckily you don't have to deal with it but I'm dealing with that um so that happened, but then I guess because of that pain, I was, I mean, I'm still even shocked at like, at my own reaction even to this day of like, um, because last year, two years ago actually, um, no, it was last year, yeah. Last year, it was very difficult for especially our family because my cousin who I was super close to and like, Um, growing up, we just kind of started frequenting each other more and eventually like we became pretty good friends and like we did a lot of stuff together and we always, you know, chatted about life and things and like what we wanted to do and like the experiences she was going through with like her family and then like the experiences I was going through with my family, you know, she was like my big support system too when my sister passed away. She was there for us and she was there with me and she was always like trying to cheer me up a bit um like when I couldn't keep my hamster anymore she took it so or when I needed someone to babysit my dogs like she would do it um things like that so we became really close and she also reminded me a lot of my sister so I think also that's why I also gravitated towards her she reminded me of her um she just last year randomly just passed away like it was just everybody was like whoa like what happened here like we were all in shock and it's like but for some reason like that feeling became so familiar to me that like I I was really sad about it obviously like I was just shocked but I didn't cry which I think that made me more upset like why like why are you not crying that she's not here anymore like, why, like, where are those feelings, right? 
but then it brought back to me like to like my mental state of like well this feeling this feeling is too familiar right and I just kind of went into that mode of like okay what needs to be done right um and my other cousin sorry if you hear I don't know what they're doing back here um but my cousins the other cousins that we have were like hey weren't you like really close to her and stuff like that and I'm like, well, yes. And they're like, wow, like, you're really strong. Like, you're not, I haven't really seen you cry. And I'm like, well, there's no room to cry. Like, you know, like, this happened, unfortunately. But, you know, like, I also can't afford to be breaking down and crying when I have to watch, like, my aunt go through the loss of her daughter, who was also, like, her best friend and everything. And then, um also watch my own cousin go through the same things that I was going through when my sister passed away um and I know like like even seeing him like and how he was reacting he also didn't really have the time to mourn because he was too busy doing what I did for my mom which was you know be there see like what needs to be done you know um so that was a very interesting, like, side of me that I didn't think I had, or I just could not understand why I could not mourn or have this, like, you know, emotion that I wanted to have. But I also think, you know, obviously studying psychology and all that, that we all mourn very differently. And I feel that because of those feelings that I had when my sister passed away, it kind of just brought me back to that time. And unfortunately, like shortly after my cousin passed away, um, a couple months later, my mom's little brother, who she adored a lot, like my uncle passed away just randomly. So it's like, again, you went into that cycle of like, what is going on, right? And then at that point, I just didn't have any feelings. I was just like, I, I mean, I don't know what else to do with this, like, it kind of almost became a, well, it is what it is, but is this like our new reality, right? Um, we all know that eventually we're not going to be here, but, you know, like not trying to be grim. It was just like, well, what now, right? So, yeah, that's, that's my um, two cents on that question. Told you it was the, the meaty one. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing. I think, yeah, I mean, I'm going to let that stand alone. I don't feel like I have to add to that answer. I think it's, again, that's, it's, it's, a, it's an open-ended question, but it's obviously very specific to the person who, how they answer that. So, um, I do appreciate your candor, but yeah, this is the end of my section, I guess. So if you have a few lightweight questions, we can, I can answer those as we wrap up, um, uh, and, what uh, is a lightweight question? I know, I know a few. I, w- I won't get into like too deep or anything, but I think it'd be very interesting to hear some of your answers to your to your own question. Yeah. See, I'm not. See, people do that. I, I really learned my lesson. <laughs> you gotta come up with your own, and then you. I'll answer your own, but okay. I'm, I, I'm not answering the mine. As <laughs> <laughs> is a guy who's like. Send me your questions ahead of time because I need to filter these. I'm like, no, they need to be in the moment. Like, 
with what we're discussing? What if I just come up with these random questions that don't even flow with the topic that we're talking about already? That, that's okay. It's, it's questions that you want to ask me. <laughs> no, they're supposed to be these like the, thematic questions, if that makes sense. I think I'd be very, very interested to know what you would consider a weakness in yourself. I think we've never really talked about that. So I'm actually very interested to know that that answer to that question. I probably have two weaknesses. One is I tend to overthink situations. It helps me. Okay, first of all, on the th- before I get the answers, but on the theme of each episode, the theme is the person, so you don't have to worry about uh, it. Has to be on theme. Um, but the to answer this question specifically, I would definitely say overthinking. I I think I've gotten better with it in my let's say later twenties, but I think I definitely overthought situations, whether it was a job interview. Uh, friendship or relationship um, or just situations um, instead of just seeing what's in front of me or just not just assuming things or just like I said like overthinking situations it's helped me maybe in my job because as an engineer you have to think about everything but I think I've learned that when it comes to people and some maybe some more of the bigger life stuff you really can't do that all the time you really can't just try to maybe like systematically break things down and think that like if I do, you know, if I do, you know, X, Y, Z, I'll get this outcome. Life doesn't work that way often. Um, maybe one's career, one's job can, but maybe other things can't. Um, the other one I would say is... You know, sometimes I can be, I've been told with positive feedback uh, that like I can be a little bit too um, reserved. So like people want either more like, I want to say affection, but it's not like lovey-dovey. It's more like they just want to like, to me, be more like, you know, friendlier in the sense of like, you know, have people you know over or be more I guess like beyond like just charismatic but like just be a little more deeper with people but I tend I've had this since I was a child I tend to keep I trust my inner circle and that's really it and after that you know I keep every kind of arm's length Um, I wonder sometimes if I could be a little bit less guarded because I don't other people's opinions usually don't really affect me be honest with you but I just have a hard time with that. And I think that's also impacted like a different aspect of my life, which is probably more in the, um, we'll say romantic realm. But the, uh, but I, 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 I tend to think that like, that's probably stuff that I continue to be self-conscious of and aware of, but sometimes you just, you have to just, you can tweak things, but you really can't change who you are. So I would say those two things. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, you know, and going back to your point, it's just, 
you know, your life, like what you, obviously too, your life experiences, it's like, well, you know, those life experiences come up in like your current experiences, right? So like what you've experienced in the past kind of molds you to what you are now. Um, yeah. I guess my other question is... What would you, or how would you actually view yourself as a parent in the future? Okay, so how how would I view myself as a parent in the future? To be honest with you, I'm uh, I am naturally sexist. Uh, that doesn't leave this episode, but I've, it's crossed my mind that, like, especially as I've gone older, how I would interact with a son would be a little bit different than a daughter. And actually, that's why I actually would prefer having daughters, because I feel like I would be more of the modern parent I would want to be with a with daughters, because I would I would my philosophy would be almost like a very positive one, like you know be what you want to be, if you want to be an artist, if you want to be a, you know, NASA scientist, go for it, you know, we'll have, we'll build a plan, you know, I'll support you everywhere I can, like, that's reasonable, nothing, like, crazy, um, but, like, I would, I would personally have a hard time if my son said to me, I want to be, you know, um, you know, I, I want to be, uh, I don't know, what's one of these, like, I, like, he, like, I, I, like, like I, basically, like, if, I had the situation with a coworker that I, it hit me that like if my son said this like I would, I would be really disappointed. Um, but basically, be a like this person, or something. Even worse than that, it was kind of like this person said like they're not motivated to work or to like grind. And what's I guess here's the my own sexism. I guess is that if if I had a daughter, I would be like, oh, let's dig into that, or you know maybe you have to push yourself. But if a, my son said that to me, I would be like, your disappointment. And why why do you feel like that, though? Because, like, I guess the masculinity I was taught is, like, a man has to have, like, you know, agency and, like, has to have purpose. And, like, if that person doesn't feel like they have purpose, like, well, then what are you doing here? Um, but I would say, like, as a parent, my philosophy will always be um, to put them in the right situations to succeed. And it's up to them if they succeed or not. And also um, push them when they need to be pushed and also not push them when they don't need to be pushed. I think it's, it's case by case, but um, I feel like it would just be easier for me to just be a, a, a parent of daughters. But the, um, regard, regardless of the, the sexes of the kid, like, I, think what's I think what's difficult for men today, and I think I see this with my own generation, and I think definitely with, well, actually, older generations already got married if they wanted to. But let's say at least with... Men who are like of, let's say, 34 to 20, the problem men have now is that fatherhood and parenting is not what it was like when your parents era or my parents or grandparents. And like, yeah. like, the mon like to me, the modern man now has, and this is why it's difficult, I will say, for men to defend men. It's like, in my opinion, men have to both be somebody who offers enough, like, their own, like, you know, ambition, like career and, and their own aptitude. I'm going to call it aptitude. 
but also can't be the the person that says, "Oh well, I came to work. I'm tired. You work too. You're tired, and well, because you're the you know woman, you do the dishes and you pick up the kid. Like maybe you have to pick up the kid. Maybe you have to take him to soccer practice, and then you know maybe next week you're the one doing the laundry. You know, like I think that's something that men don't talk about, um, or if they do, they prefer the you know the let's call it the new like the the '50s '60s mindset." But I think that's becoming less and less appealing to women. I mean, you, you as a woman could speak to it, I guess. And I think that is what men aren't getting. And I think, and this is men of like, these aren't old men. These are like even younger men, right? They're not getting that. Like, they're not thinking that way. And I think later, maybe not initially when it's all lovey-dovey, but when things get more real, um, you know, the household forms and they have some kids, like, then they start having these conversations. But in my opinion, that's already too late, right? Like, it's already like, wait, you didn't have this before? Because often it doesn't come up, right? It's not going to come up when you're all lovey-dovey, getting married, getting the wedding, then having the kid, right? Like, and that's if you do the that route, right? You could have a kid without being married, but like, it doesn't come up. And I think like, and that's just a failure of our society. I'm going to just use America as an example. It could go maybe other countries too, but let's just say at least America. Like, that's just a failure of our society, not talking about it. Like, what is, what is being a guy Okay, you could be gay or whatever, but let's just say a straight guy in this era. What does that really mean? Because also the other failures that like men, women also are not the ones telling me they want guys that just like have no um, hobbies and no friends and no ambitions either, right? So like they also don't want like you know this let's call him demasculized guy, but also they don't want the guy that's like treating women like they're pieces of meat and like you know, they're made, you know, and they're not, you know, like you said, kind of like what you were saying earlier with your father, like it just, you know, you're at my, you're at my command kind of thing, you know? So I think that's what, as I've gotten older, I've been keeping that more in my mind that like, you know, it, fatherhood will also mean how I interact with not just my kids, but the whole family union. So. Yeah. And how you agree, I think with your spouse, right. With, um, or your partner about how you could, how you're going to raise your children, right? Because you also want to have a partner that has similar values, right? Um, Because if you feel like, you know, you want to raise your child this way, but they're like, no, I'm the total opposite. Like, I want to do this. That's going to be a pretty difficult, um, difficult parenting, which uh, hopefully does not lead into separation, but you know, it just depends. <laughs> um, and I think too, kind of going back to that whole, um, men kind of just expecting women to do like X, Y, Z sometimes. I think it also has a lot to do, um, with how your mother raised you. Right. Um, because I've actually seen men who, and these are the men you kind of want is a, the one where the mom actually had them be responsible for things and actually be accountable to do things right like be accountable on like okay you can do your laundry you can cook like let me show you how to cook let me show you how to do your laundry but letting that child be independent right as a teenager and as they get older and not babying them and doing everything for them all the time because not trying to slander this um friend that we kind of x xed out of our little group but like that friend 
their mother does everything and anything for them. Like, when I mean everything and anything, like, she will feed him, clothe him. Like, he's never really touched anything like that. Like, yes, he lives alone now and is independent. But, like, I mean, the guy is going to be 30 soon. And he doesn't even know how to schedule his own, like dentist and doctor's appointments without his mother coming in you know like without her having to have done that for him and like he's even admitted himself he's just like yeah like I never really had to worry about this stuff like my mom always did this for me and it's like how old are you you know um so I think a lot of it too has to do with how your mom has raised you and I've seen it right um for sure I've seen it I've seen the vast difference of like someone whose mom was not like doing everything and anything for them under the sun compared to someone whose mom has. Um, so it's been pretty interesting. Yeah. All right. So we still have some time. We can wrap up around 12 o'clock your time, I guess. But if you have any other questions, feel free to spit fire on them and I'll try to answer them quickly, but do a rapid fire. Yeah, because I have a hard time believing you just have two, but. <laughs> well, because you said I can't, we can't go into those super deep ones because. No, you you, know? you can. Like I'm, I one of the things, <laughs> yeah. one of my strengths is that I'm always an open book. It's just that like, either people don't want me to. But I they think you're selective me. on who you're an open book with. It goes back to my first answer. I'm very yeah tight knit. Look, I'm big on loyalty. But yes, loyalty correct. that's uh, only one way is being stupid. So, I mean, um, the, uh, so that's my, one of my life philosophies. And, yeah, sure, it, it rubs some people the wrong way, but that's not my problem. <laughs> okay. Um, hmm. I guess another question is, what do you feel are the qualities that make you stand out from other from other people that what value do you feel that you bring to the table value value or the things i've done adam i you know what i'll let you answer that question to what you feel you want to answer it to because i mean those those two are two good options but you know what i'll I want to see, like, what you feel, like, this question means or, like, okay. how you want to answer it. I mean, I'll just, I'll just answer slightly in both ways. I would say, for one, you know, I've, I've really, I think one ties with the other. I think I'm somebody that has always pushed myself, even though people don't, like, have to push me. Um, and that's led to, like, just being meeting different types of people, having different types of experiences. And that has yielded a lot of like knowledge that I've gained that's outside of just reading books and stories and listening to podcasts. Um, I, I don't know how, I guess it's more of a, you know, gaining knowledge or through experience and, and, and conversation. You know, one of the reasons I like doing this, this, this uh, side project. Um, and obviously like I have a lot to value because I really like to focus on like, Oh, you have like a career, you've, you have all these interests and yeah. Okay. Those things that are, they're valuable. They, you know, they bring interesting conversations with people and blah, blah. But when I think of attributes, I think like, 
you know, other than the cliches like loyalty and trust, um, I, I think one of my standout attributes is just I do well with kind of like pressure, but also like I'm willing to accept that life is not always rosy. Like I'm comfortable in the suffering. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Like I'm comfortable that maybe this person doesn't like me. Or this person thinks, you know, oh, this is a nobody, you know, or, you know, whatever. Um, and, you know, it's, it partly is, might have been a double-edged sword because, like, I see that, like, even now, even though I've, I've climbed the mountain, you know, uh, you know high comp- when I reflect on the last, like, let's say eight, ten years, um, I still feel like I have more to prove and more to do. And so I start wondering, like, Am I ever not going to feel this way? I'm starting to realize that the answer is probably not. Um, and, you know, that's left me with some new things to think about. But I think, you know, I think that's one of the things I, for some reason, that's just in my DNA. It's like I always feel like there's something I can, like I relish being a beginner again. Like I, I you know, used, I've only did, I used to never, I've only used a skateboard like once when I was a kid and I got back on it. I'm way better. I picked up the salsa dancing, you know, just because a friend recommended it, and I'm still sticking with it. And these are things that, like, five years ago I would have never thought myself doing. And I realized that it's less about the activity, because it could have been painting, actually. That's, that's what I realized recently. But it's more of, like, I'm okay with, like, just being vulnerable in that sense of, like, being a beginner, being at the bottom, and having to work your way up. I, I enjoy that process. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't enjoy. Because I see it all the time. People lose motivation. They get distracted. And um, I think it's probably why, like, when people ask me, well, how, how come I can still run and not get, like, mentally fatigued? I think it's, it's built in that, like, running is not really, you know, if anybody everybody's at least runs once in their life, right? It's not really. After the first, let's say, 10 minutes, it can get mentally taxing, right? That's probably the hardest thing about running is, like, yeah, the, being in shape. But it's, like, you're doing the same thing for, let's say, an hour or 45 minutes. And that's... It's more of a mental discipline. So I think that's something that I'm, I always try to work on and try to like, I use it as my strength, right? Like I'm going to use it again, being very comfortable in the suffering. And, and I think a lot of people just look for, you know, they always want to fill the holes in their life, but sometimes you can't fill all the holes. There's just things that you just have to be comfortable living with. Yeah, no, for sure. But I mean, and then, but you can also compare your, like you said, you mentioned like definitely five years ago, you're probably like, what, what am I doing now? Right? Like, and it's been, you know, for as long as we've known each other, it's been actually really cool to see you change throughout the years. And I feel like comparing our friendship from like back then to now, I feel like we just have these conversations that um, are more like in depth, if that makes sense, or more like you just have, we can just have a conversation going and uh, I mean, I don't want to say it's intellectual, but you know, we can talk about different things and like definitely see different points of view for some things right I don't know what what are your thoughts on that yeah I think that just comes with like I mean I've always been a thinker even when I was young I think now 
it's just more refined. I'm more mature in some ways. I'm not completely mature, but the uh, I'm still a guy. But uh, you know, like it just, <laughs> no, it's, really. it, 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 it's still like it's just become more refined. And like I think though, like it takes time, obviously, to tr- at least for me, right, to trust people. But I think also in general. People will talk about, you know, like intimate issues and stuff, but it's hard for people to truly like be comfortable in that domain, right? Like, you know, most people probably should see a therapist. Most people should probably talk about things a lot more on these kind of subjects. But I think in general, people don't have, don't know how, don't get the tools to do that, whether they don't learn it from their parents or whatever mentors. And I think that's what makes it tough for people. You know, I, you know, I, I've had the, you know, fortunate that like, I just, I've always had people that I could talk about big issues or what does it mean to be a person? What does it mean to be a good person? What does it mean to not, you know, have character and stuff like that? And, um, you know, I guess these things I don't think about because like, oh, I, you know, I guess, I'm no longer young. So like when I was young, I thought like, oh, everybody kind of talked about those things at home. But it's not really the case. A lot of people don't talk about, to your point, like, like they just talk about superficial things. And even the things that are deep, quote unquote, they're still, if you think about it, superficial, right? It's always like, oh, how do I get, you know, a girl or how do I get a job or what's a good career path? And it's not like about like, hey, you know, what does it mean to develop myself as a person? Or like, you know, hey, I have you know, this is something that I'm not confident in. How do I get confident in that? Or like, I, you know, I'm trying to eat better. What, you know, because I'm self-conscious on whatever, X, Y, Z. Or I'm trying to, you know, I don't think I'm making enough money and I don't, I feel inadequate. Or I'm making a lot of money and I still feel like I'm, you know, inadequate. Like, it's these things that people, you know they're dealing with this because I know that people are human, right? If, if, I've always thought like, yeah, everybody's different, but like people Everybody's different, but how they handle different emotional situations is what defines what that difference is. Like, everybody feels anxiety, but how I deal with it, however somebody else deals with it, is a difference in us, right? How you deal with a setback and how I deal with a setback is also will define, like, what's the difference between us, you know? Um, And I think that's what people forget is that, like, these, whether it's a celeb or somebody you admire... They also have the same feelings you have felt, right? Loss, um, envy, hatred, anger, joy. But how they handle all those things is the sum of that person, you know? Everybody's different. Like, I, I'm not going to say I've handled every situation well, because that's not true. But, like, you know, you might handle certain situations better than I would. And I think that's something that, like, I try to remind myself that, like, you we're all people. This person might be a dick today, but, you know, he might have other issues or, you know, he's, he's just whatever, he's doing his own thing or he can't, that's the only way he can process that and then I just feel sad for them. Um, but, like, that's something that, um, I'm, I'm not rambling, but, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree with you, for sure. I'm like, everybody, yeah. I think just how you handle the situation definitely varies and sometimes... I would think, right, maybe this person would handle, like, anxiety this way. But in reality, sometimes people just surprise you, right? Like, you might have this expectation of, like, oh, like, I would have thought you would have handled it this way. But in reality, it's like, oh, snaps, like, 
Definitely didn't see that one coming. Exactly. All right. So do you have one more or can we wrap up? No, we can throw one more. Why not? Forget it. It's it's good. It's good. I think my last question would probably be what would you tell future Chris if you sat with future Chris now, right? What is one of the biggest, like, I want probably like a lesson that you've learned now that you're 30. I mean, I'm assuming future Chris is wiser than me (laughs) right now. (laughs) But maybe younger younger this year, right? Or maybe younger Chris, but... uh... (laughs) No, because we already know what you would tell younger Chris for sure. Okay. Um, but now what would you tell future Chris? Actually, no, how about we rephrase that? What would you tell future Chris that, what questions would you have for future Chris? I think that's a good question. Oh, that's a good, that's a better question. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, what questions I would have for future Chris? And this is like future as in what, maybe three years, four, five? Uh, we'll give it, you're 30 now. So yeah, we'll give it five because you're, you'll be hopefully 35. Yeah, I would say the questions I would have for a future me is that first I hope he's wiser. So I, I would say like, you know, um, you know, at 35, I don't know how my life will be a world or I'll, I probably won't be in New York, but I don't know, like. I'm making assumptions, but first I'd be curious if I'm still in New York in five years. Um, I'm leaning no, but um, on a more personal level, you know, did I, did I, did I always like give my, like didn't, how do I say this? Did I not self-select myself out of things? That's something I've been more conscious of recently that like, including me, like you actually like subconsciously will self-select yourself out of like opportunities like for instance like oh i don't think i can get that job because i don't have the resume or i'm not as smart as this other person right you're self-selecting yourself out right oh i don't think i can play soccer because i didn't play it as a, a kid right like you, you start giving yourself reasons for outs right like oh this person is probably like out of my league because of xyz right and i'm really that's the one thing i've really tried the last i would say year and a half to change is not to do that so I'm curious of like how far I got in that, in that realm, uh, as well as like, you know, do do I have a, am I more suburban now? Like I'll just be, I'll be more curious about things. Like am I more suburban? Or am I still a city guy? Did I move back to the West Coast? Did I move to you know somewhere else? Did where, where did I travel? But on, a, on I guess I'm trying to focus on like on a personal character level, like, you know. You know, did I, did I push myself to like, you know, uncover things about myself and other people around me? Um, Like, I feel like I just started that journey, especially with my father. Um, And like, did I continue that? And did I continue exploring, you know, the people and relationships that have been kind of like closest to me? Because I've either known them for so long or like, you know, talked about a lot of things and, 
and have I continued doing that? And like also, um, you know, have I, you know, been a better, you know, friend slash, you know, um, well, I'm not there yet with the partner, but like, you know, when I do get there, you know, will I be, how did I handle that? Because it's, there's going to be ups and downs in any situation, right? In any relationship or any, um, I'll be also curious if I had kids already or not, um, could potentially be the case, but because I finally feel like I'm ready mentally. Um, forget the financial thing because I like already says that, but like mentally, I'm ready in the sense of like I know what it like. I you can't fully always know, but like like I'm mentally in the sense of like I I feel like I have the temperament you know to not you know get too reactionary or get too uh, you know I think it's important to be even keeled as a parent and as a you know, as a, let's say even as a partner, so. But yeah, I, I guess my yeah my question is be like, how did like things turn out and stuff like that, and, and who how have I how how have I evolved and like and also more importantly, what what things at thirty five I wished I had known at thirty. I would be curious to hear that answer. So what what to expect, what to avoid? Or yeah, like just like if I were to tell myself a twenty five year old, I would tell him that the you were you're on the right track on most things, young Chris or. Younger Chris, not the twenty-year-old Chris. That guy, <laughs> that guy's different guy. I'm gonna go twenty-five, okay? <laughs> that was. <laughs> um, yeah, because twenty-year-old uh, Chris is uh, very interesting. But I would say at least twenty-five will be like I had the right, I had the right temper, like not temperament, but I had the right. My heart was in the right place, you know, grind at work, travel, but I could have, I could have expanded the soft skills that I'm doing now, the last two or three, two, let's say two years, the COVID, mm-hmm. let's say the COVID impact, the sophomore um, social skills that um, I'm doing now, I could have done, I think I could have started that earlier. And I think that would have been, I would have had even more experience in that realm. Um, I think like doing like, the, like I said, the classes, moving to New York, um, doing the rec sports have been like, they've just ultra sped that at least that's the good thing about New York in my opinion is that it's helped me speed up that development because there's so much going on in the city that like if you if you're just somebody that stays in your apartment which is my natural thing my natural people think I'm it's funny I was talking to a teammate a volleyball teammate Gabby and she was like your Instagram doesn't reflect who you are and I was like what do you mean she's like you come across as very outgoing and I'm like people who know me know that like uh, I'm not really that outgoing. Like, I do stuff. Like, I'm not, like, I don't want to be a busy bee. Like, I, I enjoy one-on-ones. I enjoy, you know, journaling. I enjoy reading. I enjoy just, you know, listening to podcasts. Like, it's a very introverted lifestyle. But I've, um, you know, obviously, like, I like still doing stuff because I do feel like you just can't always be in your own head. Going back to the overthinking, right? Like, it's easy to just stay in your own head all the time, so... Um, but yeah, I, 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 I like going back to the 25 year old, I would just tell him like, you know, you're, you're everything, you're the essence of what you were trying to do is in the right place, but you, it could have been more refined and, and more like not just focus on the two or three aspects that I was for so long. And I could have widened it out a little bit, but I'm doing that now and like, it's working out great. But, um, but it's, uh, that's something that I, I kind of wish I'd done a bit earlier. Like I wish... I wish I had told myself, like, it's okay to be laser-focused about the career. And I was. I mean, it was everything to me. Like, 
you know, I've, I've wanted to be a software engineer since I was like, you know, 16, 17. And, and even now, like, it's a part of who I am, like my identity, like of my, just my, not just on my work, but like, you know, part of my personality, like, like I'm a coder and I'm also like, I like tech jokes and like, you know, stuff that, you know, most people that I grew up with are not going to get, right? Other, other software engineers will get the tech jokes, but I know you wouldn't um, when you make fun of, you know, databases and stuff. But, um, but it's like, uh, yeah, I think it's fine, but you, you're, and luckily I got out of that shell, but I could, I see with other people where like their identity becomes like their only thing they have is like the job or they're only a family man or like, you know, like for like a mom, right? Like she's only a housewife, right? Like when I feel like it's dangerous to have one single thing as your identity. And luckily I branched out of that, but I think I was in danger at one point of just being somebody that like, you know, went to the gym, went to work, went home. And that was it, you know. I mean, I did live that way for a couple of years for this project. But, um, but I think that is something that, like, I could have I had more of a balance. But, again, age comes wisdom, usually. Not for everybody. And uh, I see that now more. Um, I'm less attached to the job, per se. I mean, I still push and strive and I love still learning. I still love building things, but like if the company misses or our project isn't, you know, misses, like I'm not killing myself anymore over that. You know, of course, if it's my company then I'm killing everybody and my team, but the, um, to get it done. But like, you know, it's like, it's just, you're just, you're like, these companies will fire you if like they have to. Right. So it's like, I'm less, I'm less attached in that sense. And I'm focused more on like holistically of like who I am and what I want to do and how can I branch out and, and take the skills that I actually, I did develop, you know, pushing myself in my career. I, I do, and, and that's why it's a double-edged sword. Like, I tell myself this, oh, I should tell a 25-year-old this, but, like, I only know that I can hit these limits because of what I did at 24, 23. And now I know that, like, I can push myself out of my comfort zone. Right? I can, you know, lead a project. I can, you know, um, have big responsibility on my shoulders. I can put myself out there. I can be a man of agency, you know, so it's, it's a double-edged sword, you know, um, and like, cause you don't learn something without going through it. Right. And so I just remind myself that like, even when I think situations are tough, even when I was trying, especially the first three weeks of salsa, I'm not going to lie, Gabby, I look like a moron out there. Um, the, uh, you know, I just remind myself in this little, little things like, you know, if I can twirl around in the class, I can definitely do whatever X, Y, Z, you know? And uh, those things like help, you know, like, oh, if I can, if I can lead a team, yeah, I can, you know, do, I can learn how to play softball. I'm really bad at it still, but, you know, I can learn. So those are the things that like, I hope I keep going with. And those are the things I would have, would have definitely told a 25 year old version of myself. All right. So that's it. That's the last answer. <laughs> well, I mean, and it, yeah, like you, I don't know. It's just like, you really... I think it also comes back to the fact that you kind of like to start new. So I think for sure, I think your biggest thing that's helped you first was just moving out of California. Like, yes, like I love California. California is like the best in my opinion. But like you really push yourself to the point where it's like, I'm going to a place where like nobody knows me. Right. Like you legit start from zero. Right. I was a little bit worried when you moved to Jersey because I was just like, wow, like you're so far away, right? Like what if something happens to you or whatever? 
Um, but you've like for sure started to branch out a lot. And then even going from, from New Jersey to New York was a big move too. And you've definitely, like you said, you, you just went into like hyper mode and just like sped everything else up. Right. Um, but I think probably your time in Jersey, you probably, it took you a bit of time just because you're like getting acclimated to the East coast. Right. Because there is a difference between the East coast and the West coast. No, and also there's a difference between moving to New Jersey and then moving to New York. I, I meet people who move to New York and like it's like their first like three months. And um, and they're like, you know, they were, they were I was their age when I moved to New Jersey. And the main difference I see is that because New York is such a plentiful place for activities. Is, is if, you, if you have some, let's say you have some like uh, courage to like, take a class or do something, you'll meet people and you'll have good experiences. I mean, I didn't hesitate because I was, you know, I was 29 when I moved here. So like I already had experience. I think in Jersey, naturally, they don't have the same, it doesn't have the same social vibrancy. So like, especially where I was living in, in Jersey, I was living like on the west side of Jersey and then the central Jersey. I didn't have that. So like, even though I, I would later research that there's little, there are, there are things, but like, it's just not as easily... It's not in your face like New York is. Um, And I think also my focus was really like at the time, you know, I really did think I was moving, uh, I was leaving in two to three years. But like, but then my career kept developing, right? And, you know, um, I just, I got in that routine. That routine only really broke because of COVID. Like I was basically doing the same thing every year, right? I was traveling somewhere, uh, working and then like, you know, doing some local things here and there, right? Like, you know, made some new friends. I, I will say this though. Uh, I don't think I've talked about it often, but I, I will say that the first six months in Jersey was tough. I had roommates and they were cool, but like, I didn't, they weren't my like kind of friends type, you know, they were kind of bro-ish. Um, and, um, you know, when you're focusing only on work, when you're not working, it becomes isolating, you know? Um, so I will say that in my first six months, six to seven months, mentally, like the job was fine on the job, but like the outside of the work was, was the most difficult. Um, and I think that only got kind of better once, you know, I made work friends, I did stuff with work friends. And then, um, you know, once I started like, um, you know, branching out a little bit more with, you know, New Jersey stuff. Not, not, not the same way that I did in New York, but, like, yeah, because I look back and I do remember, like, the, one of the few times I felt, like, genuinely, like, isolated, like, like, truly isolated was, like, definitely, like you said, like, that first, that first stint in New Jersey, because it's true, I didn't know anybody. I knew zero people in the state of New Jersey, if you think about it. And, um, and uh, that... Uh, I look back and I realize that like, that's actually really tough because most people when they move, right, it's, if it's for school, right, they have at least the college structure to help them, right? And then people who move for work, um, you know, they have the work structure. But New York, the work structure is different, right? Because in New York, they'll have like, at, where I work now, like before COVID, they had this, like, oh, the, the softball team, the company softball team, the company, you know, um, bowling team, whatever, right? So they'll, they'll have a way to like, or like, where I first worked in Jersey, they didn't have that, or they never did, because it, it, was, it was like a suburban company. You know, it was literally in the suburbs, <laughs> the office. So in New York, like, I noticed that, like, even people who move here, who it's their first job, 
the job does decent amount, like, because in New York, they kind of know, like, people, like, if they're, they're transplants, they need some structure, so they'll, they'll, they'll have stuff for them, you know, um, and also, like, a lot of people, I, I met them, like, they, and I, I met many examples of this, Gabby, that, like, they will actually move to New York with their friends, like, it'll be their both, of, it'll be their both first jobs, you know, out of college, or, you know, you know, or all her, all their friends that they went to college or high school, they happened to also want to live in New York, and that wasn't, my case, right, with New Jersey, right, like, I knew nobody, and nobody was moving to New Jersey with me, right, um, what also made New York easier was that, like, yeah, I made, I made making new friends, and I made new people, and definitely trying to meet girls, but, um, you know, I had the Jersey people, right, so, like, those are still my network, right, and that's just the state over, so that made any adjustment to New York pretty easy, so I see here and there the Jersey people I know, so, um, even though one is leaving uh, mid-December to, ironically, Southern California. But, um, you know, that's, I look back and I realize that, like, not only did I move, like you said, Gabby, I moved to a place where it wasn't the landing spot just to, like, naturally, you know, just, you know, like I said, rebuild a social network is not as easy. I, I learned that in New York. Yeah, like, people are much more, like, you know, busy and, like, fast and go, but you can you can meet so many new people all the time in New York that, like, it could get you numb. And, like, you can actually not, like, realize that, like, oh, wait, like, I don't talk to this guy anymore. I used to hang out with him all the time last, you know, six months ago, right? Um, and um, New Jersey was definitely more suburban. It was not, that was a harder adjustment. So, um, but, you know, as tough as it was, it, it, you know, prepare me for future stuff. Like, now I feel like I could in theory, work anywhere in the world and adapt, you know, if the language permitting, you know, but. Do you think you'll ever come back to California? Yeah, I think, I genuinely believe my, my story with California isn't over yet. I just don't know what that entails. Or what that looks like. Exactly. Because what if you You get married in New York, then you're stuck there for life. Yeah, but it could also just mean that, like, maybe I have, like, a like a, a small little property in California or maybe in Arizona. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, and you never know. Like, New York is such a you'd – be, you'd be surprised. I, I've met people in New York who, like, they went to Limbrook, Gabby. They went to, like, the high school that's, like, near the high school I went to. Like, it's – New York is such a big hub that, like, it has, it's even crossed my mind. Like, what if I meet another Californian here? Um, it's true. That would be that would be wild, and because it's crazy. Like I, I, I just like you know. I mean, people. Like I said, I met a guy that his his he's my our age. His closest friend is he met him at USC, uh, and he he all he actually was at MIDI two years before I was. So um, mm. it's just weird the the world, right? Like it's New York is such a hub. Like I'm trying to really like eventually I do plan to leave because the problem I can't get into it today, but. There are things that I already know that can numb you to like the experience outside of the city, um, mm-hmm. and I can see how people get like trapped into like they only can live here because this is how they, they get used to thinking and operating in only in New York. Yeah. But and I don't want that for myself. But it's also it's also an opportunity to like I said expand yourself. I, this is a good city for like if you're trying to just <clears throat> develop as a person, mm-hmm. you know, socially, career, or everything. This is a good city for that. The, the danger, okay, I'll give you the quick version. The danger I see is, like, you, you then, like, okay, you develop and you're, you're loving it. You're, you're getting used to the lifestyle. But then it disconnects you to, like, you know, that, 
like people that you grew up with, right? That 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 family in in India, California, right? Or those people there. Like you, then you start thinking. You've been in New York yourself. Like you start thinking like the world is like this, and it's not, right? And I think yeah. I know people do like raise their kids here, but like I, I have a hard time doing that. My thinking I could do that myself because again, like your kid starts thinking that the world is like this. Why well, even? Ju- like we were there, and I was like, dude, where? I can't imagine. <laughs> bringing my child into like this busy, busy city, you know, like for sure. Um, yeah, I would want like my future kids to go and visit New York and see it and experience it. But I for sure would not, <laughs> would not take them until they're probably like teenagers in high school or something. Cause I cannot imagine taking a toddler over there. Like for what, you know, I feel like you'll miss out on like the point of New York. I don't know if that makes sense. Well, I mean, I, 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 view, I mean, I view it as even small things, Gabby. Like, think about, like, if you, let's say you, you grew up not like, okay, obviously if you grew up, like, poor in New York, it's a different experience. Fair enough, right? You probably, you know, it's probably similar to poor, being poor in other places. But imagine you're the, let's say, middle class, upper middle class, and your kid has only lived life with a doorman that always opens the door. You I mean, it's like little things like that where I'm like, I don't, like, I feel like even if you're not trying to teach that kind of, like, you know, those kind of, like, elitist values it's it's still like you can't control that right the kid's just gonna get used to the doorman always opening the door right and and helping them get their stuff up the elevator you know like it's you know because i see it here like (coughs) the kids here like they i have a doorman as you saw and the kid they always get help from the the doorman so like um yeah it's, it's it's small things like that that i bit worried about but but when i would say this as a bachelor it's a great city. I can't complain. Like, honestly, and that's the problem I have is that, like, I meet interesting people all the time. And that's something that I don't think you're going to get in Lubbock, Texas, you know? Um, yeah. So. True. I mean, I definitely enjoyed it. I feel like for sure would have to plan another or schedule another trip even just to be there. Just, you know. Um, because I am actually interested in getting more of a tour guide from you on like what you've liked from it, you know, um, because for sure the, from the time we landed to the last day that we were leaving, it was just nonstop, like doing everything and anything under the, like under the sun. And I was like, I feel like I just didn't really get to enjoy New York. Like when can I wake up and just be like, okay, I'm going to have a cup, cup of coffee, chill, And then, okay, like, what do I want to do today, you know, as opposed to like, okay, we need to do this, 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 and we need to be up by this time. And it's like, you wake up, have breakfast at like six in the morning, and you go to bed until like almost one in the morning. It's like, dude, that was, that was draining. That did not feel like a vacation at all. Because it's like, let me experience everything because I don't know when I'm going to come back, right? Yeah, that's that's the hard part. And also, I think, like, people want to do all the tourist stuff. Um, so, sorry to wrap up, because I do got to eat. But um, the uh, I think it's just hard, because, like, it's true. Like, if you're only here for a week, you're going to try to do <coughs> everything you can, right? But um, I view it as, like, yeah, New York, to me, is kind of, like, how do I say it? it's like to me it's like the real adult Disney world because like everyone says Vegas because of like the debauchery but here like 
if you want to see plays, you can just watch plays all week. If you want to see improv theater, you can see improv theater. You want to see like live music, small bands, there's a lot of small good venues, right? More than any city that I've been to. Yes, it exists everywhere in other cities, but it's like, you know, you could go to one neighborhood and go to like five different venues. You can go to dive bars. You can do, you can get good at cornhole, shuffleboard, whatever, bar games. You can, you know, if you're a runner, you can do the marathon, right? The New York City Marathon or the Staten Island Half Marathon. If you're into sports, you can join a league and play, right? Um, you want to, you know, draw, there's drawing stuff. Like, it's like you can do whatever you want. And that's why I always say, like, really, like, what are your interests? You can do that in New York, and you can do it in a very unique way that you can't do somewhere else. So let's say you're into pickleball. You can play pickleball every day at the park if it's not cold. Um, and that's why I always, I, I think it throws off people because I always ask them, like, what do you want to do? Because, like, trust me, I can find stuff. You want to eat, like, uh, Napoleon food? We go to this neighborhood. There's going to be four restaurants of Napoleon food, you know. You want to eat Colombian food? Same thing, you know. Like, um, I haven't seen Mexican food that's that good here, but, you know, you told me different. It's your but, taco um, place. The, um, but, like, yeah, that, that's, that, that, you know, not to get too much in the New York thing. It's, it's, it's pretty much, I would say, that's, that's why people like it. It's because you can, you can really, like, just be here. But I think, again, I go back to, like, you can get, you can start, your worldview can start getting warped, in my opinion. But I do think, like, this is a good city for, it's where I'm at in my life, for sure. And I think even people who are, like, if there's, honestly, if you're, like, a girl or guy and you're, like, you have the, the money to do it, I would say, like, you know, at, let's say, maybe 22 is too young, but let's say for sure, like, 24 to 25 to let's say 33 i think that's a good window to be in new york maybe not the whole eight years but like let's say even if you want to do that but like that window age that's a good place to be in new york because a you hopefully you have like you know financially responsible and you know you know how to handle your stuff but again like it lets you do a lot of things that um you know that if you don't if you're trying to discover like your other interests or interests you didn't know you're gonna meet like again the salsa thing that's a great example for me. I would never have considered doing it ever. I met a guy that he's been doing it for like a year here. And he got, he got me to go to one event, blew my mind. Um, and then I signed up like the next week. Like, I feel like that wouldn't have happened in San Jose, right? Like I would not probably have met anybody, right? Uh, because New York will force you to expand your social network too. Because again, you'll meet a lot of other transplants and you meet a lot of other groups. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing too, that I realized is that network effect. So I, you know, the whole cliche, the network effect, I was like, okay, I've heard it all the time. I right, would like career, right? Network effect, network effect. But now I see what the power of a social network effect is. Mm-hmm. And, um, and like, it's just like, you know, um, and there's like, but to your point, what you said earlier about like people like falling off that happens all the time in New York. Like I've, I've had great conversations with guys that were trying to be comics, never saw them again. I've had like great experiences with you know, playing kickball with some dudes, did it a few times with them, and then now we don't even talk, right? It's like, it happens, right? Like, you start to appreciate, maybe appreciating, like, the moments in time, but, like, you know, some I'm, you know, I, I'm more in contact with others, and, and, and like, you know, it, it like, so basically what I'm trying to say, guys, yeah, is that, like, if you had come to New York, you would have learned what you're, you were saying earlier way quicker, because people here do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you would have been realizing, oh, I can't, yeah, I want to be open with people. I want to build my network. But, like, you know, this person isn't going to put any effort in. Or they're just going to, like, we're going to fall off, like, you know, 
eventually, like, then I, you know, A, don't take it personal, and B, that's how people are, because things are always moving here. And there's a danger in that, because I think it makes it harder to stay more committed to friends and definitely yeah. relationships, um, because for people sure. are always on the move, and, you know, like, if it, you know, they, maybe it clicks for them this week and next week, but then, like, a month later, they're like, eh, I found something else, you know? Um, and I think that's a danger, because I think then you start viewing people as, like, commodities, you know, like, disposable. Um, and th- so that's why that's a danger of New York too. But, and so like, if you're, if you're not level headed and you're, you know, you start getting in the bad crowd, it can be, I can see how New York can also be like, as much as I'm having a great experience, I can also see the flip side of like how it can be like a, a place where like you unravel. Cause then you start wondering like, Oh, this guy's more successful. Oh, this guy has more friends. Oh, I'm not, I'm not getting, uh, I'm not having success like this guy in the dating scene. And like, it can, it, I, I've seen it, it starts weighing on people and. Um, so it's like, it's a place where like, if you make it, you feel even a bit more empowered cause you can make it probably anywhere. But if you like ended up like in shaky ground, like, um, it can really beat you down. So again, that's, that's, a, that's New York. New York honestly is designed not for this. Does, it's, it can be, it's tough. I guess I'm going to say this in a very privileged way. It's very like, um, white collared. For white collar people, it's tough in that regard because it's about it's more about expectations of yourself and other people that weighs on you more than like you know your poor. And I'm obviously I'm generalizing to like a certain social economic because obviously I've been through uh, I've gone to discover like the poor neighborhoods of Queens and Brooklyn, and they live like not that dissimilar to like East San Jose or Oakland. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's definitely a different experience, and that's also probably tough in its own way that I can't relate to, um, but. The people I interact with, let's say, like, people make 75000 to $140,000. Those are the kind of things I see, like, that kind of anxiety, that kind of, like, um, insecurity. And, and, um, and, I, and, you know, I just try to, like, parse through the BS and take it from there. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I haven't, I haven't, I feel like, I, I still feel like my time is not over, but I feel like I'm definitely at the, let's say 40, 50% point, you know, my time in New York. Like it's, you know, it's definitely something that like, I know, and that's what made me more appreciate it more is that I know like it's going to end eventually um, because it has to, in my opinion, for me at least. Got to um, take advantage of you before you leave. <laughs> yeah, but it's definitely like, it's just to wrap up. It's like, it's definitely something that like, it's been a place for me to like, really like hone expand and hone in what I really was and, and and it's really like and it's funny like people who who come here for a transplant so they do say the same thing like you know especially when I meet people who are younger than us like they say like that you know my two years in New York felt like five years in where he they grew up and I will say that next year will be two years for me I definitely feel like I've grown up like four years um for sure because like again there's so much you're doing and like you're so much you're processing and there's so many like different conversations and you know, people who are, like, telling you weird stuff, and you're like, what the heck, and then other people, you know, whatever, but, um, but, yeah, you know, and then, you know, me, I'm just, uh, I'm, a, I'm just a bachelor out there, I'm just trying to talk to girls, so, <laughs> yeah. How I met your mother over here. Exactly. I just gotta, like, close the deal, you know, I just gotta, <laughs> gotta get that over the yeah, line, I... but, um, but, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it, and, uh, you know, we'll wrap up, and we'll do this, and, the future sometime, but it won't be, it'll be for a long time, probably. 
all of a sudden you never know maybe you decide hey let me check in in like a year who knows who knows we'll figure it out (laughs) yeah two two to three years is always the cycle i'm looking at so (laughs) sounds good all All right. right well i will talk to you later this was actually really fun we'll figure something out later we will all right so have a good weekend and take Sounds it easy good you too have fun bye